Well, I, I want to talk to you about something tonight that I think is important for us as men to know. I wish that when I was a young believer that I would have heard this so that I could have incorporated it into my relationship with Christ. I, I've, uh, I've struggled to come to understand these things and apply these things, and I still work hard uh, to incorporate them into my life. Here's, here's something I've found uh, about a relationship with Christ. You don't arrive and get to coast. It's a relationship. We, the quality of our relationship, whether it be uh, a spiritual relationship between us and God or a physical relationship with, between us and another person is dependent on how much time we're willing to put into it. And uh, I'm thankful that God loves me enough that he, he'll devote as much time as I want to give him. He'll, he'll interact with me in as many ways as I want to inter interact with him. And so what I want to share with us tonight about is what I've just titled this, Every Man's Struggle. And so I want to start with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you brought your Bibles, uh, I think it'll be up on the screens. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 2, for you know what instruction we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that, do not, that no one transgress or wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity but holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives the Holy Spirit to you. Now, several things are a part of this, but the, the thing I want to zero, zero in on is this word sanctification. Sanctification is a religious term. It's an easy, in my simple way of defining things, it is the process by which we are made into the image of God. It's the process of squeezing out worldly thinking, worldly ideas, sinful behavior that was, that was modeled or put into our life and changing us to be like Jesus would be, to act like him. I'll just tell you this, it doesn't come natural. We, we have a sin nature, we have a nature that is bent in a certain direction away from God, and it takes a process that is described as sanctification. Uh, there's, a, there's a definition that was given in 1833 by the New Hampshire Baptist Convention, I think it'll be up on the screen here, and so you can read with me what they, how they define, I think it's a good definition of sanctification. We believe, they said, that sanctification is the process by which, according to the will of God, we are made partakers of his holiness. Now, I, I, I substitute, when I think of that, his nature. God's a holy God, his nature is holy. I, I, I want to be a partaker of his nature. That it is a progressive work, that it is begun in regeneration, that's rebirth, and uh, that it is carried on in the hearts of believers by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, the sealer and comforter, in the continual use of appointed means, especially the Word of God, self-examination, self-denial, watchfulness, and prayer. 
We incorporate spiritual things, spiritual disciplines in our life as a part of the process that moves us toward being formed into God's image. Now, I don't say this in any way uh, to point a finger to make you feel guilty or condemned. It's, it's simply uh, to, to allow you to ask a question that would allow you to take a measure of yourself. Have you ever thought of your, your own sanctification? Have you ever, uh, do, you, do you think through the process that involves incorporating the things like prayer and self-denial and watchfulness and self-examination as part of the process of growing in Christ? Sanctification is that process that replaces worldliness with godliness in our life. Now, here's what I know. I've, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 16. I'm 63, as I said. So I've been, I've been walking with God for 47 years. Out of these 47 years, I, I, I by no means have arrived. I'm, I don't have, I've not achieved any level of perfection. I am still progressing. But here's what I know. No one, I don't care how long you've walked with Christ, no one is immune from the temptation of sin. This battle of, of molding ourselves or allowing God to be molded into our life is a daily, constant battle. L loving commitment, devotion, and years of faithfulness to your wife can be thrown away in a thoughtless moment. A, res uh, a respected career, an impeccable reputation can be lost with just a little bit of carelessness. The day in which we live is evil and there are temptations all around seeking to lead us to compromise and into the bondage of the enemy. Satan is patient, he's ruthless, he's evil, and at a vulnerable moment will not act with compassion toward us. So here's the first thing that I came to understand <clears throat> about this process. Sorry, I, I, I wanna be timely, so I'm, I'm starting a timer on myself. That way it'll tell me, stop talking, stupid. <clears throat> uh, here's the first thing I learned, uh, is to understand the process of sin. James chapter one and verse 14 lines out what happens, how we're led into sin. Uh, follow along with me here. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. In this simple two-verse statement, we are, we're given a, a process to help us understand how sin enters in or we're drawn into a trap that the enemy lays for us to move us away from God's plan. It, it's said in this thing, uh, by our own desire, if depending on what translation you might have, that word desire is translated lust. Lust, here's my definition of lust. Lust is a, a desire to fulfill a God-given appetite in a non-God-approved way. Lust is a desire 
in me to fulfill a God-given appetite in a non-God-approved way. If you look in the uh, Bible dictionary, it would define lust, the, the Greek word being epithume. The, the, the word there would be translated lust or craving. It means a great desire to do or have something. What, it, what I never heard anybody say is that it, it's associated with an appetite. An appetite is a response mechanism that was created by God to motivate us to meet a necessary need in our life. I believe that God created us with six basic appetites. And I'm gonna define them for you, but first let me just say this. I think an appetite has three characteristics. It has a cycle of desire that can be stimulated or appealed to that also must be satisfied. Easy way to think about that is to think of your appetite for food. It, it's God's mechanism in our life to say, you need to eat, thirst, you need to drink, and if you don't, it, it's for the provision of the body that God gave us. It's an appetite. But you can fill it in a way that's unhealthy. You can fill it in a way that will shorten your life and, and impact the quality of your life. There's all kinds of advertising that seeks to appeal to that appetite to develop within you a lust or a craving for a certain kind of food. An appetite has a cycle of desire and it can be stimulated or appealed to to be satisfied. It's associated with an emotional or physical need in our life. Depriving an appetite heightens its, heightens its desire to the point of creating a craving. Again, think of food just a minute. Have you ever said, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm giving up sweets? And all of a sudden, you, you had to have a dozen chocolate chip cookies? It, it's when, when we have an appetite and we seek to, to amend that appetite or, or craving, uh, depriving it heightens it, its desire in our life. The craving is an overcompensation for the perceived deprivation of the need that the appetite is designed to, uh, to meet. And then it has a healthy or beneficial path for satisfaction. God created appetites in order for them to have a beneficial effect in our life and he has a way for them to be satisfied. So part of the maturing of a believer is to, uh, to come to grips and understand, how does God want me to meet these appetites? Uh, I, I can just tell you this, and we'll, and we'll get there in a minute, but I've never felt guilty over my appetite for food. I've satisfied that appetite in some non-healthy ways. And in fact, uh, I'll just use this as an example. <clears throat> Two years ago, I, I was thinking, I, I, uh, I have some... I have some attitudes toward food that are not healthy. And uh, one of the things that I, uh, one of the habits in my life that related to food was I drank a gallon of Diet Coke a day. And I had done so for 20 years. And my wife would tell me, you know, Tom, it's not healthy. Do you know what that aspartame is doing to you? And I said, no, I feel fine. In fact, I kind of made up, if you've ever watched Prince's Bride, I, I took that little statement that was made, I've spent years developing a tolerance for Iocane powder. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm fine. 
She, she would say to me when I went for an annual physical, would you ask the doctors what they say about drinking a, di- a gallon of Diet Coke a day? So I asked, I had two different doctors. I asked both doctors, so how do you feel about me drinking a gallon of Diet Coke a day? And they said, you really drink a gallon of Coke? And I said, I don't drink any water. I only drink Diet Coke. And uh, they said, well, that might be a little too much, but I think it's fine. I said, well, I like you so much. Well, I I began to be convicted that I needed to change that and some other things uh, in my life. When you begin to deal with an appetite, when God begins to say to you, hey, I have a different way. It wasn't about dieting to me. It was about addressing some addiction issues in my life. I, I truly was addicted to Diet Coke. I wouldn't have said that then. But, and so if you drink Diet Coke, I'm not here to tell you you shouldn't. I'm here to tell you this is one of the things that God spoke in my life. Well, these appetites, managing our appetites requires a partnership with God through the work of the Holy Spirit. So let me just give you the six appetites. And uh, I'm going to talk uh, specifically about the sexual appetite, but I, I, I think all of them need to be understood. The first is an appetite for purpose. It's really, if I said it in its true form, it, it's an appetite for God. Only God can, get, can define and give us the true purpose of life. It's the de- desire of our spirit for meaning and spiritual purpose leading to a connection with God. You're, you're familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the, uh, declares the Lord, plans for good and not for evil. God created us with a purpose in mind. And, and there's a hunger, a yearning in our life to drive toward that purpose. And the way to find it is through God. It's an appetite. We fill it with all kinds of things, but it's designed to be filled by pursuing God and building a relationship with him. We have an appetite for food. It's the desire for, of our bodies for nourishment uh, to sustain life. Genesis chapter 2, uh, God declared this whole thing when he said uh, that you can eat you know, all, all of the food uh, in the garden, uh, every tree of the garden, uh, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you, you may not eat. For in that day you eat it, you shall surely die. There was e- even then a, a, an indication from God, there is a way to satisfy this desire and I'll be the one who helps you understand the, the healthiest and best way to fulfill the desire uh, for food in your life. Knowledge is the third one. The desire to acquire wisdom and understanding through intellect and experience. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. There is information, revelation that comes to us from God was intended to be the foundation from which we view life and all the experiences of life. You have an appetite for that. And, and so, how are you, the, the question in every one of these appetites is, have you ever thought of this? If you have, how are you seeking to fulfill the appetites that God has given you? Here's number four, the appetite for sex. It's the physical desire for heartfelt connectedness with a member of the opposite sex that God established as the bonding agent for partnership in marriage. 
1 Corinthians 7, 1, Paul said, now concerning the matters about which you, which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relationships with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband, and the husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. There is an appetite, a, a sexual appetite, and we live in a world that appeals, attempts to appeal to and develop cravings for that particular appetite. We as men are visually stimulated and so uh, Madison, Fifth Avenue and all kinds of other places know how to appeal to that appetite to create cravings and lead us to a not good place. Is it any wonder that the world would offer an array of opportunities? And if we think back now to what James says, so we're, each one of us is enticed and led away by our own lust, and when lust has been conceived, it produces sin, and sin produces death. So we live in a daily reminder that the enemy just sets these little, uh, these little seeds. It's like a, uh, a little food trail and he, he, he drops the food and he mo- moves it and moves it. It's all designed to lead us to a, a trap that he gets us in the right place and then springs the trap and we go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <clears throat> Number five is an appetite for pleasure, the desire for joy, peace, recreation, Psalm 35, 27, let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Proverbs 21, 17, whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. I think it's a, it's a misnomer. It was a misnomer in my life that if you gave yourself fully and completely to Christ, you're not gonna have any fun. God designed life to be fun. And I actually think he designed it to be fun with no consequences, no penalties. You can, you can have joy and laughter and enjoyment without the penalty that comes when you've, when you've sought to fulfill that desire in a non-God-approved way. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The sixth appetite is an appetite for status, the desire for recognition and ultimately praise associated with success. Have you ever thought uh, about this idea that the desire for recognition or, or, or the root of your competitiveness may be tied to the appetite for status. Maybe you struggle with uh, being just on the edge of braggadocious. You don't really call it that. You're a trash talker. And you, you elevate yourself by trash talking with somebody else. Do, do you know that simply might be your desire to fulfill the appetite for status. Matthew 18, 11, at that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Why would they ask that if there wasn't something driving them? It was the appetite for status. And calling a little child to him, Jesus said in the midst of them, 
I say to you truly, unless you turn and become uh, like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. Or you remember this, Luke 22 and 24, a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be regarded as the greatest. Their appetite for status was at work and what they were needing to do is learn what is the right way. Jesus, in both of these cases, said, there's a right way to fulfill this appetite, fellas. Become as a child. Be the servant of all. There's a, there's a, a method by which you, what you seek that you want to extend for yourself, you will find when you do it in a way different than what you're intending. So here, here's some questions, just rhetorical questions that I, I ask all of us tonight. Which appetite do you struggle with the most? I think it's common as men, especially in the day in which we live, that we, we share a common battle in the appetite for sex. Pornography and its pervasiveness in our society, um, the the dress today of women, it's, it's just a part of the, the process. So let me tell you a couple of things. When, when I was, before I came into ministry, when I was in my early 20s, I, I had read and I began to understand the passage in James. That my, my desires, the, the, the lust of my life, if I didn't manage them, it would lead me to a place of compromise that would ultimately lead me to a downfall. That, that's what sin is. So I was in a sales position and I was making calls and it was summertime and uh, I just wasn't being careful. I was married, Jan and I, were, we were living in Amarillo and I wasn't being careful with what I was looking at or the way I was looking and my thoughts. And I really thought to myself, what does it hurt? I love my wife. I'm, I'm committed to her. Uh, I'm just admiring God's beauty. So, uh, and, and a couple of times I felt a little nudging from the Holy Spirit, like, Tom, don't do that. You stayed too long in that gaze. And um, I went in w one day, one afternoon to call on a hotel client of mine. And I asked, went to the desk and I asked for the manager uh, I was, had a product I wanted to talk to him about. And as I came to the desk, the American Airlines flight crew was checking in. So two pilots and three stewardesses. And uh, so I stepped away, they checked in, the gal went to get the manager and he greeted me. We were standing in the lobby and we were talking and the, the flight crew uh, walked up the stairs. There was a grand stairway in this lobby and they walked up to the stairs apparently to their room on the second floor. And uh, one of the stewardesses walked up several steps uh, and turned around where I could see her over the man's shoulder that I was talking to. So looking at him in the face, but I could see by his shoulder and I could make eye contact with her. And all she did was do this. And I wanted to go, me? Uh, are you talking to me? And I, I, kill, I held my composure, but I knew that fast that what had happened was the fulfillment of James chapter one. If, if you allow, if these temptations come your way 
and, and the enticement of them, you don't put a stop to it. The enemy is faithful to provide you with the next step of, of opportunity to fulfill your appetite in a non-God-approved way. When, when lust has been conceived, it produces sin, and sin produces death. Well, you might think, okay, well, um, you, you get to the place where you, uh, you get over that. You learn that the more you say yes to God and, and no to the flesh, the easier it becomes. There's no doubt about that. But uh, late last year or the early part of this year, uh, I'm, I'm an early to bed person because I get up early in the morning. My, my wife is a late to bed, late to rise person. And so I'd gone to bed early and I, I, I'd gone to bed at my normal time, but I'd gone to bed without my wife and I had the TV on in the bedroom and I was looking across some channels uh, going toward uh, ESPN. And as I came across the channel, it wasn't an HBO channel. It wasn't a it, it wasn't, and we have all of those coded, so you, can, you have to hit in a code to get there. I just went across, and when I did, there was pornography. I mean, it wasn't a, a, an adult channel, but it was clearly, there was nudity, and there was sexual behavior, and, and I, whoa, and I just kept right on going. But I thought, is that, did I really, so I, Click back just a few channels to check on it. Sure enough, it was. And then I waited a few minutes or maybe a few seconds longer, and I moved on. And uh, nothing really happened. I didn't feel, uh, I just, I thought, wow, I cannot believe. So a couple of nights later, I thought, I wonder, I wonder if that channel, if that's still... Yep. And uh, as I went by it, I paused. And when I left the channel, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, do you really want to go here, Tom? You know where this leads. Do you really want to allow this opportunity for the enemy? Or do you want to put a stop to it? 